All right, uh, let me send, invite DM, invite DM, Sarah, there we go. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like a real, I feel, I, I actually feel really stupid because I see a lot of, I see a lot of dogs. Um, I think, I think. Yeah, but. You know, it's Ken Singer. Uh, Ken Singer also uses it. I think, and this is just me being honest about it. I think a lot of times we're we're bitching about the Ukraine money being sent over. So I don't think people take us per se as pro-Ukraine, which to be quite honest, you know, when it comes down to it, I mean, we are, you know, you know, we don't like Putin, right? I mean, that's just the way we've kind of done our spaces. So, um, but I think the reason why I haven't seen them in mass is because we don't have, you know, you know, we, you know, we don't talk about it in depth. We do more like legal topics or things like that. All right. So here we go. All right. So Jackson's here. Sarah's here. Can you guys both hear me? Yeah. Okay, perfect. All right. So what we'll do is we'll make it brief. Let me get on my, let me move over to my, computer here. So what we'll do is um, we have some generalized questions about Ukraine and Russia, the war that's going on. We also have questions about the United States and their involvement in it. Um, you know, not many questions. I am actually going to probably generate two or three questions. I don't want to take too much of your time. So you guys let me know. Um, my thought process is it's 3.15. I was thinking at, you know, 4 o'clock, uh, you know, we, we should probably be done on this. But what we'll do is um, what I'd like to do is that it's going to be 3.15 here in a second for you. Uh, you have up to five minutes. You have up to five minutes to make your to make your opening statement, whatever you want to talk about regarding the Russia-Ukraine war and how it affects the United States um, is really really the basis of it. And then you can talk about the war itself. You can talk about whatever you want. So we'll give you both five minutes to give opening statements. Then we have about six or seven questions in general. We may have some follow-up. And then uh, rules are don't interrupt each person. So you'll have two minutes to answer the question that's posed Please answer the question that's posed. Don't go off on what you want to tell us. Please answer the question that's posed to you. And don't interrupt each other because if you interrupt each other, I'll just hit the mute button. Don't argue with each other. Take notes. Let the person speak. When the person's done, you'll have a chance to retort. So the first question after opening statements, we'll start with Sarah. Sarah will get to answer for two minutes. Jackson will get two minutes. And then Sarah will get 30 seconds to rebut. The next question will go to Jackson. Same format. So Two minutes, two minutes, and you get a rebuttal. Pretty simple. We, we've done it before. So it's 3.15. Let me go to Sarah. Sarah, you have five minutes to talk about the Russia-Ukraine war, um, what's going on over there, what you see happening, and how it affects the USA, whether or not we should be in a proxy war. And um, really, the floor is yours. Go ahead. So I appreciate it. I also appreciate the fact that Jackson uh, came decided to to join in. I know he's been very stressed out at USC uh, with uh, some of uh, his his studies. 
And so I hope he learns a little bit today. Ultimately, what we have here is the greatest return on U.S. taxpayer dollars when it comes to foreign affairs since World War II. And the notion that it's a proxy war, and not to address you directly, but I have to since this is the opening statement, it's not a proxy war. This is a fight by a sovereign nation for its freedom. Its territorial integrity has been absolutely breached along with the fact that uh, you have a president of another nation leading an invasion of a sovereign territory for no reason but to enslave that uh, that land and be able to try to strip the minerals and, and other uh, valuable assets of that uh, land. It is the epitome of imperialism, it's the epitome of colonialism, and it's the reasoning behind Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. And so what the United States has done, as all of the allied nations of Ukraine have chosen to do in some form or another, is to stand up for the rule of law and since before World War II, actually, we're talking about uh, the notion of uh, alliances uh, standing up in the face of a rogue nation rogue state uh, that goes back hundreds, uh, if not thousands of years. And I turn the floor over to Jackson. Okay, so it's 317. Sarah took about uh, two and a half minutes or so. So it is 317. Um, Jackson, you have up until five minutes if you want in 322. Otherwise, uh, if you don't want to use all of it, that's fine as well. Uh, Your opening statement, Jackson. Sarah, can you define what imperialism is? Well, we can get to that in a second. Just start with your opening statement and then... Well, before I do my opening statement, you just claim that Russia is acting like an imperialist state. So define imperialism. Yeah, just just go ahead and address it in your opening statement. I'm not going to do it until Sarah defines imperialism. Okay, so is it... Okay, so we haven't gotten the question and answer yet. Is that your opening statement? Sure. Okay, opening statement done by Jackson. Um, Okay, so... Uh, here we go. We're going to go into the first question. As I said, we're going to start with Sarah, then we'll go back to Jackson. Um, Sarah, the, the, the top question I got. No, Sarah's got to, Sarah's got to answer my question. Okay. So what, what we'll do then is for the first question, uh, Sarah, we'll go to you. And then the second question, I'll go back to you because I have my first question here that everyone wanted to ask. The first question for you, Sarah, and then Jackson will get a rebuttal time. You each have two minutes. Um, Sarah, can you can you define what imperialism is and how it is affecting uh, the Russia-Ukraine war? Imperialism is an extension of one nation's influence or sphere of influence uh, in regard to uh, international affairs. And we can look at it in multiple ways if you want to use the term imperialism, which I did use. And in the case of Russia, this idea of imperialism cannot be utilized without their neighboring country of Ukraine, but they did it through uh, a way that uh, attempted to colonize Ukraine and to colonize Ukraine forcefully. So you just explained how they're attempting to do this. You didn't tell, do you know what the five principal forms of, you know, imperialism and, uh, you know, monopoly imperialism are? Can you even tell me that?
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is Sarah is Sarah yeah. breaking up for you yeah. guys? Or is that no, no. Just me? Sarah, you're breaking up right now. Um, let's see if we can hear you better. Uh, I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't make anything of what you just said. I can't. I can't hear what Sarah is saying all that well. But for the audience listening, imperialism is not whatever Sarah just attempted to define it as. Imperialism is not just when you send troops into another country. Uh, imperialism is an economic system. It's monopoly, and monopoly manifests itself in five different forms: cartels, syndicates, and trusts. The monopolistic position of big banks, the seizure of sources of raw materials. Uh, the economic partition of the world by international cartels and the territorial partition of the world uh, then becomes complete, essentially. And Russia doesn't meet any of these qualifications when it comes to the special military operation in Ukraine. In fact, the special military operation in Ukraine is an attempt to counter the globalist imperialism that's being waged by the, the deep state in the United States in the city of London. Uh, they are waging this war. It's a proxy war against the Russians. The reason why is because the Russians do hold a significant amount of commodities power. The West is a hyper-financialized uh, you know, system of finance capital that doesn't produce anything anymore, with the exception of some states in the EU, uh, Germany, Italy being the two main ones. But even then, still, the EU is collapsing right now because of their energy issues. And German industry is falling apart because of just how expensive their uh, energy is. And it's making all their other, you know, raw minerals and resources very expensive. But uh, Russia is doing very well right now, as is China, because their commodity powers, their commodities producers, they're going to do very well for the next 10, 20, 30 years, probably. And this poses a threat to the West. The West understands that there is a multipolar world that is forming. And this is their last attempt. Uh, it's the last war. It's the last war of civilizations in an attempt to maintain U.S. hegemonic control. The last thing I'll say is that the West promised, uh, you know, the Russian people many, many, many years ago in the 90s, early 90s, that they wouldn't extend NATO one inch east past of Germany. Uh, granted, that wasn't a you know paper agreement. It wasn't signed on paper. It was a verbal agreement. But they made that agreement and they extended NATO 14 times, 14 times east of their German line. So, you know, the Russians have warned about this for years. They tried to establish multiple peace agreements with the Ukrainians via the Minsk Accords and the Minsk II Accords. And the Ukrainians and the Germans have since come out and said that they weren't serious about these negotiations. And it was all an attempt to buy Ukraine more time in preparation for the proxy war we are now witnessing. So, no, this is not a great investment on U.S. taxpayer money. This is a money laundering scheme to make the military industrial complex richer and to try and preserve Western hegemony. It's failing. And uh, I mean, we're seeing that on full display. Over 100,000 square kilometers of Ukrainian territory seized. Probably 115,000 more Ukrainian soldiers dead than Russian soldiers. And, uh, I mean, just this week we saw Solidar taken, we saw Klashivka taken, we see that uh, Bakhmut is about to fall, we're about to see uh, indirect territorial encirclement of Bakhmut, so not going well for Ukraine. All right, Jackson, thanks. Uh, we're we're going to kind of take that as your opening statement. We need Sarah back, though, so I sent her a DM. She fell out about a minute or two ago, so we're going to wait on Sarah to come back. Can I... Uh... Uh, 
Can I just, uh, to keep the clock going, I'll ask Jackson a few questions. Well, I don't, I, I to be quite it's honest, okay. it's all right. don't worry about it. Not yeah, no, I don't want, I, I don't want Jackson to, to talk without, yeah, or, or no, talk anymore fine. without that's Sherry that's here. Yeah, I didn't know. Okay. All right. All right. So Sarah, um, Jackson just finished up, uh, as you came back. Uh, can you hear me, Sarah? I can. And by the way, so the audience okay. understands, I just sent a bunch of screenshots to, to crypto. I'm having significant, significant, um, connection issues right here so i'm, I'm gonna try my best but okay. um i i don't know it's it's yeah yeah it's fine if you fall out you fall out it, it's it's not the end of the world um all right so jackson said this much more eloquently than i did um you'll have a chance to um have a rebuttal here um but jackson spoke about that it's not a good return on the investment for the u.s that this is this is essentially an uh an economic control um by I think the United States or in, in Russia to control Ukraine. Um, I, did, a, I did not say that. Oh, I'm sorry, Jackson. Go Just ahead. Then. Briefly, I'm sorry. I don't want to misspeak for you. Briefly, what I said was that I think Sarah probably understands what my point is, but what the West is doing is an effort to use Ukraine as a geopolitical pawn after promising for years they wouldn't and for years that they would try to establish peace against Russia because Russia poses a threat to U.S. hegemonic power. Got it. Okay. And I also define imperialism, which is something that Sarah could not do despite the fact that she claimed Russia is imperialist. Okay. So the one part that you spoke about is that you, you mentioned that the U.S. has, ex, has extended NATO 14 times. Um, you you also mentioned that. Um, so let me go to Sarah. Sarah, what what is your take on on what Jackson just said? Plus, the, plus the U.S. extending NATO um, closer and closer to Russia. My definition of imperialism is the correct definition of imperialism. You literally it's not couldn't a even define it. You could not define it. I, I literally gave you the definition. No. The didn't. second part is that. The United States has never expanded NATO because NATO is a treaty of uh, multiple nations, as everyone uh, knows on this panel. And therefore, the United States doesn't make unilateral decisions. The idea that the United States makes unilateral decisions when it comes to NATO is something that's steeped in conspiracy and leads to this idea of hegemonic power by the U.S. when the U.S. is just one nation of many that is uh, acting in concert to advance its own interest as well as the interests of allied nations. Okay. So, uh, first question. That's literally insane. NATO. So the United States is by far the largest, uh, you know, military within NATO, pretty much whatever the United States goes with the exception of certain holdouts, like we've seen with uh, Turkey this past year with Finland and Sweden. How Okay, how could you ever make the argument that NATO is not controlled by the United States? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's a conspiracy to assume that the United States does not control NATO. Okay, uh, the people in here will be able to make their minds up. I want to go to uh, the first question here, which uh, which actually came out during your guys' opening. And then I'll go to our first question from the people that wrote to me. Um, so, uh, Jackson, I'm going to go to you. You have two minutes. It's 327. First question is, should the U.S. be involved in the Ukraine-Russia war? No, the United States should not. And I'm saying this as someone who, uh, 
you know, I, I support Russia's special military operation, but no, the U.S. should not be involved in any capacity in it. And uh, this would not be going on if it were not for the United States uh, intervening in, in the domestic politics of Ukraine since before Ukraine was even a sovereign state, uh, you know, back since before the splitting of the uh, Soviet Union, the CIA was meddling in the internal affairs in Ukraine and trying to make it a sovereign state. And then we saw in the 2004 color revolution, the United States helped overturn the elections. Of course, in 2014, it was the most notable example in which the United States overturned the elections in Ukraine and manufactured the uh, Euromaidan. I mean, the Euromaidan protest did start out naturally. It wasn't like it was a U.S. conspiracy that they started it. It was natural, but the United States took control of it. Uh, they weaponized, you know, violence with Georgian snipers and Ukrainian terrorists and Nazis within the Euromaidan movement. And uh, they created a very, very, very violent situation that led to the overthrow of the government. And it was an illegal overthrow of the government. And uh, now we find ourselves in this situation because of those very actions. All right, Sarah, you have two minutes to respond. I appreciate the fact that this uh, is taking place uh, tonight because what we've seen is that Jackson is answering your questions with uh, conspiracies that are not based in any sort of fact, any sort of reality. And what I hope that comes out of this is not just the understanding that the United States is not playing God here, is not pushing things with an invisible hand, but that Jackson is so deep inside of this conspiracy within his own mind that it's driving him into a paranoia. So I hope Jackson's able to get assistance when this is finished and he listens to the recording again. Okay, Sarah, uh, back to you, though. Um, should the U.S. be involved in this Ukraine-Russia war? I think the United States has to be involved in any situation where they're asked to by a sovereign nation to become involved. President Zelensky, as well as the RADA, uh, reached out to the U.S. The U.S. Uh, chose to respond to that calling and get involved at the invitation of President Zelensky and not due to its own decision to become involved. The United States under President Biden has attempted to make decisions uh, in concert with the ruling uh, elected office uh, holders in Ukraine in this particular instance. And I think that uh, they did so at the invitation of President Zelensky and not getting involved uh, on their own, which is a huge difference uh, and which goes against what uh, Jackson is opining on and, in fact, is uh, wrong. All right, Jackson, you have a minute if you want to respond. Listen, I know that uh, Sarah, transgender, who LARPs as a soldier in the Ukrainian military, might be confused about the material reality of the situation we're discussing, but, I mean, the facts are quite clear. I mean, the, you know, the George Soros even came out. He has the Renaissance Foundation, which is like a subsidiary of the Open Societies Foundation, which we all know he uses to, you know, interfere in the domestic politics of nations that are adversarial to the United States and has done so for decades. But he even came out right when the Euromaidan coup was, you know, wrapping up. And he said, I set up a foundation in Ukraine before Ukraine became independent of Russia and the foundation has been functioning every, ever since, and it played a very important part in the events that we're seeing right now. And that was a conversation about the coup in 2014. I mean, we could go further about the fact that that Renaissance Foundation shared an office with the 
U.S. Embassy in Victoria Newland, Victoria Newland, who was doing speeches with the Euromaidan terrorists uh, as the violence was raging in the Euromaidan coup, and she was handing out cookies to protesters. We could talk about the fact that the uh, Georgian snipers, we saw that the Estonian foreign minister admitted that the Georgian snipers uh, who were shooting people at the Euromaidan protests uh, were not tied to the Ukrainian government, and it was, you know, the West that was putting these people up to, do, to, to commit these crimes. There's ample evidence that, um, you know, this is what took place, and it was the West behind the 2014 illegal coup of the Ukrainian government that was democratically elected. But um, after that, Ukraine lost its sovereignty. This is the last thing I'll say. And Sarah, sure. as you're going to see throughout the entirety of this conversation, is just going to say anything that I claim is a conspiracy and whatnot, but uh, or conspiracy theory. But the fact is, it's conspiracy fact. I mean, I'm coming armed with the facts. I can show you the, you know, the people behind this. I can show you the things that they've said. I can show you the money that was put into this project. All Sarah has is just coming out here and saying that it's a crazy conspiracy theory. Okay. Um... Sarah, I'm going to give you uh, you were you were attacked personally by Jackson. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. You don't have to respond to it. Um, if you want to respond to what he said, go ahead. I'll just say Yanukovych left on his own accord. That's Yanukovych not true. left because hold on, Jackson, let her finish. Just let her finish. Oh, it's a lie. The people. Yanukovych. No, no, I, I, that's fine. I don't know what's the truth and not. I'm not a Ukrainian expert, but each of you will have time to talk. The people will decide. Sarah, go ahead. Yanukovych left on his own. The idea that a non-state actor, uh, he brought up George Soros, but that any non-state actor is involved in uh, policy decisions for the United States would actually cut at the idea that the United States uh, acts with this uh, hand of God in these situations. And uh, when it comes to me personally, I have no comment to push back on because we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about the fact that Ukraine is a sovereign nation in charge of its own destiny, pushing back against the imperialistic, colonialistic tendencies of a neighbor that terroristically invaded them. OK, Sarah, next question wait, 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 wait. is I'm respond uh, to that. So uh, Sarah said that Yanukovych, uh, what, what was the exact phrasing you used for that? Left on his own. Left on his own. Okay, so Yanukovych left on his own. So let, let's just get the, the facts straight here. The, the procedure for impeachment in Ukraine, in the Ukrainian parliament, was not followed. Both constitutional and Supreme Courts in Ukraine were not involved in the removal of Yanukovych. You need to have three quarters of parliament needed uh, to vote for an impeachment of a president in Ukraine, and that was Yanukovych. Out of 450 deputies, 338 would have had to vote for impeachment, but only 328 deputies voted for his impeachment. I'm not good at math, but that's 10 votes short. And I think everyone understands that that's not three quarters of the three quarters majority you need to impeach someone. So Ukraine, the Ukrainian parliament voted uh, for the new speaker to become the interim president after that. Again, this is all being done illegally because they didn't get the votes required to actually impeach the president. And then Oleksandr Turchinov called on the creation of a new government. At this point in time, uh, Yanukovych had left for Lviv because of the fact that his own private residence was under violent seizure by these terrorists and these Nazis in Ukraine. So he left to Ukraine's second largest city and was still in Ukraine while this violent coup was taking place. 
And while these defectors in the Ukrainian government called for a new government to be formed. So, no, this was not a legitimate seizure of power. This was an illegal takeover while Yanukovych was still in the country. All right, Sarah, you're going to have a chance to respond to that. And I'm also going to parlay this into the next question that we have. Um, I'm going to move it up since um, I'm trying to flow with what you guys are saying. Um, Jackson has made a couple references to Ukraine and Nazis. Um, first off, what is your take on the prior president leaving with Jackson just said? And as you're there now, what is your comment on the fact that um, there have been statements by Jackson and others that um, Ukraine uh, either sympathizes with or, or, or has Nazis well within its ranks. Regarding Yanukovych, uh, just uh, since I like to deal with facts, uh, Lviv is not the second largest city in Ukraine. That would be Kharkiv uh, in 2014. And Yanukovych chose to abandon his post as president. He chose to go to the Russian Federation he chose to not stay and push back. Uh, it, it, I'm not here to talk about what the Rada chose. I'm talking that, about that's Yanukovych. That's the only legal impeachment you can have of the president. Hold on. Jackson. Jackson. Let her speak. Again, I'm stating that uh, Yanukovych fled instead of pushing back against uh, what you're stating. I'm not here to talk he was, about the Rada's He was actions. still in the country, though, while they voted to overturn the government. But he gave up power. But Yanukovych chose to give up he, power instead he, of when, uh, when leading. When did he do that? Because he didn't do that, and you're making that up. When he fled to was Russia. still in the country when the far right-wing nationalists said that they were going to create a new government after they failed to impeach him. But if the government was so illegal, Yanukovych would have pushed back against it. Instead, he ran. Yanukovych, As what, for what you, the second, you, so you've changed your argument now. Now you're saying now. Right, guys, no, no, guys, hold no, on, no, hold, no, hold on, no, 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 people here. No, no, we no, we're going back. No, Chris, no, this is completely wait, fine. Chris, you're no. stopping the conversation when we're in a perfectly fine back and forth. So first, okay, but we're okay, talking about no, the Ukraine okay, war. We're not talking about 2014. Well, Jackson, if you're going to threaten me, leave. Then that's up to you, dude. I am here to moderate a debate between you we're, two, which we're is about the Ukraine and, war. We're in a back and no. forth, and you're about to change the conversation to something. I don't even know what you're about to change the conversation no, to. No, Jackson, no. you're the only one that hasn't, hasn't followed any rules yet, and, and we oh. want to hear you. We want to give you this time. Okay, here, here, here's what I'll do. You both have 60 seconds to finish up the prior president, which we're not here to talk about today. We we made it very clear that this, this was going to be about okay. the Ukraine war in the United States. About, you don't want to talk about the context that led to the situation. I mean, this is the preeminent point. Well, we already had. I want to talk about the this war. Is, Jackson, this is the, no, this Jackson, is the preeminent go ahead, point go ahead. that led to the Jackson, situation. Just let, just let me finish finders. for a second. Just let me this finish for a second. Go ahead. With stupid fucking go. moderators like yourself because you interrupt right when we're in the middle of the heart of the conversation. So, Sarah, you said initially that he fled Ukraine and that this uh, was the reason why, you know, the, it didn't matter that there was this illegal impeachment that it, didn't get the votes. I, I now, said initially he left Ukraine. Okay, well, that's... I didn't use the word... Okay, left, I left said left Ukraine. Now you're saying that actually the reason why this illegal impeachment in the overthrow of his government was justified was because Yanukovych didn't put up a fight? Again, he chose to leave on his own accord. He didn't leave because the United States pushed how him out. Rec- how do you, As how do you for the other fact part- that this move from Alexander Turchinov took place when they when he called to create the, the new government? How do you reckon with the fact that Yanukovych was still in Ukraine when that happened? 
I would suggest that if Yanukovych was interested, he would have attempted to make a move against these usurpers, as you're claiming that they are, instead of running away to Russia when he understood that he had been found out to be a Russian agent. Do you think that the negotiations with Olya book prior to the violent overthrow in which they were going to create a coalition government did not qualify as an effort to attempt to maintain, you know, a system of governance between the, the warring factions? Again, I'm not discussing negotiations. I'm not discussing votes that well, took you just, place. You just I'm said, stating you just clearly said that he didn't make an effort to try and establish the government. You can put it in any particular way. Yanukovych decided to leave Ukraine, and a new government had to step he in. He didn't leave Ukraine once Yanukovych created. A he did not. He did. They. He went to Lviv, and then he went to. <laughs> and they Russia. they created the new government while he was in Lviv. And if I was going to be Donald Trump and I went to Bedminster, all of a sudden somebody says in Washington, D.C., this is now my government. Does that make it my government in 2017? No, Donald Trump would have come back to Washington and said, no, this is my government. OK, but is Don, OK, so was in, in this hypothetical, is Donald Trump is the White House under a violent seizure? Is there violence out in the streets? Is there complete overthrow of the, you know, the of the courts and everything like that after a failed coup? I mean, this is a completely different situation. When you guys want to get to back answer, to the debate, let me know. Is this not a debate? And to answer your question, crypto, to answer your question regarding the far right, I think we can look and say that with all the votes that went towards the quote far right parties in Ukraine it still didn't tally what the AFD received in Germany or what some of the far-right parties have received in other uh, European nations. This notion of there being a Nazi infiltration in Ukraine is false. The idea that Nazis run anything in Ukraine is false, simply because there is not a huge uh, problem with the far-right in Ukraine and there is not a Nazi problem in Ukraine. And we can look at the votes that have taken place to see how negligible amount of support there was for the far right to the point that in the 2019 elections, the far right completely fell out of government. Okay. But after the coup was Andre Paraby, not the, uh, the speaker of the parliament. I mean, he was the co-founder of Svoboda and Patriots of Ukraine, which eventually grew into the Azov battalion. And he was the leader of parliament for like five years. And just so we know, is that person a Nazi or not? Andre Paraby, the the yeah, founder of the Azov yeah. Battalion. Yes. Okay, Sarah, what's your response to that, if any? My response is that the propaganda from the Russian Federation, which kicked into overdrive regarding Nazis in Ukraine in 2014, you can see the spikes in social media and in articles written, clearly was able to penetrate a, a vast. Uh, part of the American uh, consciousness when it came to those who associate with and have the same beliefs as Jackson. And again, I can't uh, try to disprove conspiracy. I can only speak for facts. And the facts are that there is no problem with Nazis in Ukraine, specifically by looking at the vote totals since uh, the founding of Ukraine as a independent nation in 1990. Just to jump jump in here, I mean, the facts show that Andriy Parabi was the leader of the parliament for five years from 2014 to 2019, and he was the founder. Okay, I'm sorry. Listen, I'm not. this is so ridiculous. So Sarah gets to say something and I don't. 
No, I'm no, trying to give you time. no. I, I just let Sarah talk about how there's no Nazis in Ukraine, and now I'm going to respond. Why can't I respond? You can respond. Okay, I'm going to okay, respond. respond now. Okay, thank you. Uh, so, Andre Parp, she says that there's no uh, not there's not a Nazi problem in Ukraine. Uh, Andre Parby, like I just said, he led the Euromaidan protest. He was the speaker of the second to last parliament, which was 2014 to 2019. You know, he was the leader of the parliament. He was the founder of the Azov Battalion, which is a Nazi Azov Battalion. He was the leader of the society to erect the Stefan Bandera monument. And Parby considers Bandera the most important person in Ukrainian history. That's his own uh that's his own quote there. The most important person in Ukrainian history is Stefan Bandera. And he says that he's a positive figure because of the fact that he wants to uh, erect a monument in his uh, honor. So uh, he was also the founder of the far right social national party, uh, which he claimed was the, quote, last hope of the white race of humankind as such of Ukraine. Uh, which this party was inspired by, of course, Germany's Nazi party. And lastly, I'll say that uh, you have people like Andrei Belitsky, who also from 2014 to 2019, I believe those years, uh, was in the Verkhovna Rada as well. He was the first commander of the Azov Battalion, and he professed his support for, quote, the crusade of white nations of the world against the Semitic-led subhuman. So, uh, he was the nationalist far-right politician and leader of the political party National Corps. So I don't understand how Sarah could say that uh, any of this, this is not a Nazi issue when literally the leaders of the country and still very powerful pig- figures in the country are well-known Nazis and they profess their love for Stefan Bandera. And I could go on and on and on with more and more people, but I'm not going to. Let me, okay. let me, let me say this. Mark, uh, hold on. Mark, yeah. hold on. I got to bring Sarah back up. She dropped out. Yeah, yeah. Go Mark, go ahead real quick. Okay, Jackson uh, and Sarah. Okay, uh, Jackson, we want to be in charge for a minute here. Okay, it is our space, so uh, we're being extremely courteous to you, even even when even when you you go on. I, no, no, listen, than... listen, listen, listen. I'm being cur- I'm being courteous right to you. I'm being you. courteous to you that I let you guys host this debate. I could have done this debate on my own. You I don't give a fuck host? about Mark hosting Mark, this debate, Mark, any of that shit. Mark, you want to cut me? You want to cut me off every thirty seconds after Sarah gets a minute to speak? Jackson, we're not we're not Jackson. We're not cutting you off. There's six hundred people in here. We are letting you speak. I think everyone will say we're letting you speak. No one's cutting you off. I'm just trying to move on to the next you, topic. You just guys. admitted you cut me here. off, and then when I when I griped about it, you let me speak. So are you cutting me off or are you not cutting me off? Are you lying or are you not? No, I'm not cutting you off. Whatever games you're playing with Sarah are not going to work on me. I'm not cutting you, you off. Said I mean, that, you just here. said that you were cutting me off, and then you let me speak when I brought it up. So let's continue the debate. Okay, let's continue the debate. Um, let's talk about money. The U.S. has sent an extraordinarily large amount of money over and over and over again to Ukraine. Um, you know, that's just the facts of what it is. They've sent a lot of money over to Ukraine. Um, we'll start with Jackson and then we'll go over to Sarah. Um, should the U.S. have sent the money in the past and should they be sending this new I think it's like uh, – I don't know what it is. I saw it on the news. I think a $1.5 trillion package between arms and money to Ukraine. What role should the U.S. be playing? Should they be sending arms and um, gear and weapons and money to Ukraine? Jackson, go ahead. You'll have – it's 347. You'll have until 351. Go ahead. No, we should be sending nothing to Ukraine. We should be trying to negotiate peace deals. And we should have done that with the Minsk Accords and the Minsk II Accords. But as uh, German officials recently came out and noted uh, publicly, that was all done in in an attempt to give Ukraine more time 
uh, to prepare for this proxy war that they've been planning for years. So uh, this has been a plan of the West for many years. You can look back at um, people like Lindsey Graham, who went and visited the Azov Battalion and said that we're going to get you what you need to fight Russia over here so we don't have to fight them in the United States. Uh, this is this has been long since planned and, you know, publicly since February 24th, we've uh, given them one hundred and twenty billion dollars. But privately, you know, behind closed doors, those secret CIA, uh, you know, uh, black black funds, you know, we, we've been giving them much, much, much more. So I, I don't understand this. I don't understand why we're supporting this Nazi terrorist thug Zelensky. I don't understand why we're supporting his regime. I don't understand why we're doing this other than we have a group of incompetent leaders uh, that are trying in a desperate attempt to maintain global Western hegemonic control. They're trying to take down Russia, and Russia is, you know, slowly but surely defeating them in this attritional war. This this has been absolutely devastating for Ukraine. You've got, uh, you know, you've got like 40 percent of the country that doesn't have guaranteed electrical and Wi-Fi infrastructure. Uh, you've got 120,000 Ukrainians probably that have been killed so far. You've got, uh, you know, you, it's devastated the country. You've got, obviously, the, the industrial hubs of Ukraine have been taken by Russia already. You've got probably close to 100,000, if not more, square kilometers of Ukraine that have been seized by the Russians. And it's, all, it's only going to continue from here. They're going to take Odessa. They're going to take Mykolaiv. They'll probably cut Ukraine off from, you know, the coast as long as the West continues to try and escalate the war rather than bring about peace. All right, Jackson. Thank you. Uh, Sarah, go ahead. The idea that we are giving Ukraine money is actually a fallacy. A lot of what is coming to the the Ukrainians are in the form of drawdown. What is announced, but the idea what is announced, but the idea that we are just handing over the Ukrainians' money is one that's simply not true. Furthermore, as long as the strong bipartisan support continues in both the House of Representatives, the United States Senate, and within the executive branch, then we should continue to give support to Ukraine at every level of civilian and military that's requested due to the fact that we are the greatest republic in the history of the world, meaning the United States, and we are we have these representatives in power, representatives of the people, of the taxpayers, and clearly there is still that uh, feeling of support within the U.S. Congress and within the executive branch to continue to give aid. So as long as the leaders in our nation choose to do so, then I support it because that's why they're in office. And for the rest of his statement, I can't even respond to simply because, again, it jumps into falsehoods, conspiracies, and a lot of gobbledygook coming from his mouth that doesn't stand up to actual fact-based reality. Okay, then, then challenge me with the facts. I just answered the facts. You, We're not no, sending them you money. You can't counter my gobbledygook conspiracy theories that are coming out of my mouth yeah. because they they Russia is not taking Odessa. Russia does not have the industrial parts of Ukraine. Those are two uh, uh, ideas not based in fact. What do you think the, the DPR, LPR, Mariupol are? What do you think that is? 
that was the industrial. It doesn't make up the, the vast majority. <laughs> thank, thank you for acknowledging that the DPR, LPR, and Mariupol belong to Ukraine. Oh, the, so the Russians, I don't appreciate have it you. Yet. Okay, acknowledging okay. The, the Russians, they're temporarily occupying it. My bad. My bad. Illegally occupying yes, those areas, yes, correct? Yes, so thank you. Yes, illegally occupying. Another question. Do you want me to respond to that or what do we yeah. want to do next? If you want to respond, you can. Otherwise, I have a question. Um, well, I mean, I'll just I'll just respond a little bit because like I was just, I was just so floored by the first statement that Sarah made. You know, we're, we're not sending money to Ukraine. That was what you said, right? I said that our aid is coming in the form of drawdown. So we're not sending significant money. Well, you, said, you started These items were saying we're not store. technically sending money to Ukraine. I didn't say that. We're I said that the vast the majority of because I'm pretty sure the 600 plus people in here all heard the same said, thing. Yeah, I said the vast majority of aid is coming in the form of drawdowns, which are weapons that are obsolete and sitting in storage in the United and States, paying, and they're assigned a value. They've already been paid for. So, so we're just we're just giving them away. We're not paying the MIC for the for the weapons. That we're just taking them, and they're the Raytheon and Boeing are like, oh, here's some free weapons. Have fun with it. We're we're just going to drain our stockpiles. Have fun with it. The, you're saying that the taxpayers are not. So where where's the 120 billion? Where's the portion of that that's set aside for weapons uh, purchases? Where's that going if not to the military industrial complex? Are we talking about private enterprise or are we talking about the support of the United States to Ukraine? Again, you talked about NGOs. Well, you're talking about well, the military. Well, the, the United, I'm talking United about, States government doesn't produce the weapons we're shipping over there. That would be private enterprise, the military industrial complex. Yes. And the items that are sitting in drawdown were going to be replaced one way or the other and had nothing to do with Ukraine. They well, they have everything to do with Ukraine. I mean, we've sent them over there. Why would we not use those weapons to protect our own country? Because they've already been deemed obsolete by the Pentagon and congressional leaders. If they've leaders. been deemed obsolete by the Pentagon and congressional leaders, why are we sending them over to Ukraine? Because Ukraine's able to beat Russia with our obsolete weapons. Oh, okay. So they're so they're obsolete, but they're going to take down one of the strongest militaries in the world with obsolete weapons. That shows that Russia really isn't one of the strongest militaries in the world, and that's another fallacy that just came out of your mouth. Okay, fallacy or not, if they're defeating Russia so bad, why have they lost about 100,000 more troops, and why have they lost around 100,000 square kilometers of their territory that you say is being temporarily illegally occupied? You just answered the second part, so I don't have to do no, it no, again. No, 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 but if the... they're defeating the Russians, why are they letting the Russians temporarily illegally occupy 100,000 square kilometers? We've already taken back more than forty percent of what's been taken that, since uh, the full-scale lie. invasion began in February. You, you think you think since that February taken back more than forty percent since of the uh, since what was taken since February twenty-fourth? Yes. Have you have and you now seen, we have are you going seen, to take back have you seen the Ukrainian-backed live UA maps? Because live UA maps paints a very different picture from what you're saying. I base it on what the reality is within this country, not on live UA maps. And then but, to answer your so, so, first question. So live UA maps, though, it shows that only 2% of the territory that Russia's occupied has been retaken by the uh, Ukrainians. I said since February 24th. Yes. I said since February 24th. Yes. So more than 40% of what was taken since February 24th has been clawed are, back. Are you claiming that it was taken on February 24th or something? 
Bucha, Irpin, Sumi, Kharkiv were all occupied by the Russians and were they were pushed out. That yes. is not 40% of the territory that's occupied or been occupied by Russia. You're delusional. Kherson, absolutely. No, it's not. Kherson, Russia still controls, uh, I believe, I believe it's either 40 or 60% of Kherson, the Oblast. Again, if you look at the entire map from what Russia ha- had at their peak of their illegal occupation after their full-scale invasion of Ukraine, they have lost approximately that, that, uh, 40% that's, of no, it. That's not Ukrainians. And, and Ukraine doesn't even have uh, direct control of Kherson City anymore. They lost that. They're losing Zaporozhia. They're I was just offensives in, in Zaporozhia. I was just in Kherson City lost, for five they days. Just, they just lost Solidar. Jackson, they just lost I was Klishika. literally just in Kherson City for five They're days. They're about to be fully in There was no Russians there. What, what are you saying? I luckily don't have to answer anything further because, again, I, I can say from on-the-ground knowledge and backed by pictures that so, the Russians so don't let's, have uh, to Can we pull up, can we not, pull up live there. UA maps? Because you're literally making up statistics right now. No, for one thing, you just made up a statement that I can rebut because 24 hours ago I was in Kherson. They, yeah, you guys do not have full control of Kherson City. A hundred percent, we have full control of Kherson no, you City. Do not. The Russians are nowhere near. No, you do not. There might be people in Kherson City, but that doesn't mean that the Ukrainian military can have full control of it. Civilians aren't, you know, evacuated from any from every single city that's taken. I mean, there were still civilians in the midst of the fighting in Solidar within Solidar, and we all know how bad Solidar was. So no, that that doesn't mean anything because the Russians have indirect fire control of Kherson City. As do the Ukrainians. There's no, there's no territorial control. Of so who control- what, what makes you think that just because there's soldiers uh, LARPing like yourself of a given military in a given city means that you have control over it? Okay, so Russian, Russian soldiers are currently in Bakhmut. Does that mean that Russia has control of Bakhmut? I'm saying that there are no Russian soldiers anywhere on the mainland of Kherson city. Okay, Russians right now can fire, uh, or Ukrainians right now can fire at, uh, Ukrainians can fire at Mariupol right now if they wanted to. Ukrainians can fire at Crimea if they wanted to. Does that mean uh, that, uh, you know, the Russians, as you put it, like, have full control of these regions? Because I'm assuming that you'd, you'd argue that... that Russia's choosing to engage in ongoing and consistent terrorism against <laughs> the liberated city of Kherson. Okay. Okay, let's let's kind of uh, tell tailor that into my next question that I'll bring up. Um, as you guys were talking about the cities and what was controlled, let's kind of go back to the start of this uh, start of this war. Um, uh, and I'll go to Sarah first, since Jackson was, I think, the last. I think I started with you, Jackson, last time. So, Sarah, um, it's three fifty nine. You'll go to uh, four o two. Um, does Russia have a claim to eastern Ukraine, and if so, where? Russia has no claim to any land within Ukraine that uh, came about in the 1991 um, separation from the Soviet Union. Uh, the 1991 borders are the borders of Ukraine. That includes Crimea, all of the Donbass, all of the southern territories, and all of the northern areas that uh, border the uh, Russian Federation. So, no, they have no claim to it, nor do the people want them in there. Every vote that has taken place that has been a free and open vote 
without the influence of the Russian Federation has shown over and over again that the Russians are not wanted in Ukraine and they have no claim to Ukraine. Ukraine is a sovereign state that chose its borders in 1991 and those borders are going to be returned yet again. Jackson, it's all yours. Um, well, the reason, and, and I know, I thought it was silly that you guys were saying, oh, this presidential matter in 2014 is not important. It is extremely important that we look at the context of the situation, because in 2014, the Ukrainian government that uh, was overthrown and the, the new government that came into form after Alexander Tuchinov called for the creation of a new government while Viktor Yanukovych was still in the country after they failed to impeach him. They were 10 votes short of a you know legal impeachment in the Verkhovna Rada. Uh, Ukraine gave up its sovereignty at that point in time. I mean, you still have you still have the leader of the country that is there and you have an illegal overthrow that's backed by George Soros and Western powers and you know individuals like Victoria Newland. At that point in time, the sovereignty of Ukraine was thrown into the wind. Uh, now we're seeing something very different take place, though. So we also saw in 2014 that the people of the Donbass in Donetsk and Lugansk voted to become independent people's republics. Uh, we saw that the Lugansk population, 96.2 percent of them voted to become an independent people's republic. And in uh, Donetsk, I believe it was like 80, 89 percent, 89.07 percent of them voted to become an independent people's republic. And, uh, you know, this is so Sarah is going to make up some claim without any evidence whatsoever and saying, oh, my God, this is Russian. This was Russian influence in the elections. But let me just pose the question to everyone in the stream right now. If you lived in a uh, if you lived in a region of the country, let's say that you live in let's say that you live in Texas and you support Donald Trump and you see that Donald Trump is illegally taken out of power. They didn't meet the qualifications for an impeachment and his uh, his ouster and they violently overtake the government. And then whoever let's say it was Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi violently overtakes the government. And then Nancy Pelosi starts sticking violent Nazi, uh, you know, paramilitary groups on your community in Texas. Is it really all that crazy to assume that your fellow compatriots in Texas might vote to become an independent state or an independent people's republic? No, it's not. And that's what we saw take place in the DPR and the LPR. And while they were trying to fight to become you know, independent people's republics, Putin, for the past eight years, didn't even recognize them as such. He did not recognize them as independent people's republics until February 24th or whatever, 25th around there of 2022. In addition to that, we saw that over 15,000 civilians in the DPR and the LPR within the Donbass were killed by these Ukrainian paramilitary thugs like the Azov Battalion. OK, so we saw them wage a campaign of violence as these people were trying to become independent. And that's what eventually brought us to the situation we're in today. Many people in Russia were calling and this is the last thing I'll say. Many people in Russia were calling on Putin to go and save the people of the Donbass who were being slaughtered uh, by the Nazi thugs. Uh, for the past eight years. And Putin waited until February 24th. And I think he now understands that that was the biggest mistake, one of the biggest mistakes of his life. He admitted it as such. I think uh, many people see that, you know, the KPRF was correct in calling on Putin to do this years and years ago to go protect the Donbass. Sarah, we'll go back to you uh, for 30 to 60 seconds. Go ahead. 
all I heard was blah, 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 Soros, blah, so blah, hey, blah, Newland. Why don't you fucking blah, listen blah, to what I'm saying and respond to the points I make? Blah, 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 96.2% yeah, of fictitious numbers that were pulled 15,000 people dead, and you're saying it's blah, blah, blah. 15,000 innocent civilians dead. Blah, 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 15,000, if that's dead. even the number. There's no numbers that are coming out of the Donbass ever since the illegal invasion of that region and, and that area of Ukraine that can actually be verified. Why? Because it's being occupied by a terrorist regime backed by the Russian Federation. So everything I just and said now, was prior to that. Uh, you also said blah 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 Newland blah 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 Soros. So again, I, I turned it off this, because this I don't. This is a very riveting debate. So we have we have a transgender LARPer in the Ukrainian military that's saying that everything I say is just blah blah blah. Why don't you actually try and refute the points I made, such as the Donbass and Lugansk or the Donetsk and Lugansk referendums, or the fifteen thousand dead civilians in the Donbass from you know twenty fourteen to 2022 killed by. These Nazi, you know, military thugs. Why don't you respond to some of those points rather than just say it's blah, blah, blah. Fine, I'll respond by saying nothing you stated was based in fact or reality. So, Therefore, so counter, I can't refute. Counter it with your own reality. What country. really happened? We don't understand what happened right, because right. Russia you don't understand what happened. That's, that's correct. You don't understand mm -hmm. what happened. Tell me, tell me what actually you happened. Don't. Russia decided to terrorize the Donbass. And we had been attempting to peacefully negotiate the settlements. President Zelensky came to office with an idea of bringing peace and a conclusive, uh, uh, conclusive ending to the occupation uh, illegally by the Russian terrorists. And Putin decided to end that peace and actually end Russia's own sovereignty by invading Ukraine. And now they're being beaten by obsolete weapons from the United States. That's the facts. If that's the fact, then why is it, I mean, a few points here, why is it, again, that the Ukrainian Nazi thugs were responsible for killing, again, 15,000 civilians uh, up until 2022, 2014 to 2022? Because there's no, there's no Nazi thugs running around in any sort of numbers to carry out any sort of killings okay, to the okay, level well, that you're suggesting. I, I let you talk, I let you talk, so let me talk. Let's, okay, so I'm going to say... I'm going to play, uh, you know, your game here and we'll say, no, there's no Nazi thugs whatsoever. There's not, you know, entire, you know, battalions and divisions of men running around with tattoos of Stefan Bandera and swastikas. That's definitely not happening. Um, but let's say there's no Nazis whatsoever. The OSCE still does recognize, which is, you know, the Independent Security and Cooperation Organization for Europe. Uh, they were doing their internal uh, reviews and reports in the Donbass. They still recognize that 15,000 civilians were killed by Ukrainian heavy artillery from 2014 to 2022. So you haven't been able to counter that point, but you said that Russian terrorism was being waged on the people of the Donbass. The OSCE says just the opposite. The OSCE also says that in the lead up to the February 24th invasion, guess what was happening? It wasn't the Russians that were increasing their uh, shelling of the regions of the Donbass. It was the Ukrainians increasing their shelling dramatically of the Donbass. And the OSCE, again, has come out and said this as such. And also there was internal documents leaked from, uh, you know, the offices of Zeluzhny that said that the Ukrainians were preparing a full-scale offensive into the Donbass that would it would make the situation with the increased shelling in the lead up to the February 24th SMO beginning 
look like look like uh, you know uh, children's play. It would it would have looked like theater compared to what they were going to do to those innocent civilians that they've been slaughtering for years in the Donbass. So do you want to do you want to counter any of those points that even the OSCE backs? I just want to point out that I've never seen a situation where somebody's managed to two-side their own story. I'm glad to see you're a supporter, apparently, of the OSCE. And I'm so stunned by this that I can't respond any further to the fake numbers that were thrown out, except to state that Russia's the Russian-backed invasion of the Donbass led directly to the deaths of those people who have died in the Donbass between 2014 and 2022. It begins and ends with the Russian Federation and their desire for bloodshed and their desire for this colonialistic, imperialistic invasion of a neighboring sovereign country. And I'm glad to see you do try to support, though, international bodies such as the OSCE. It gives me hope for you, Jackson. But you're not going to counter any of the data I brought up from the OSCE, which shows that they killed 15,000. You countered it by telling you that it's at the hands of the Russian Federation. No, 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 no. I'm, tr- the I'm, Ukrainians trying, to, have slaughtered I'm, I'm nobody. trying to play your game here. I'm trying to, you know, go along with the sources that I'm... I just said the Ukrainians have slaughtered nobody. The Ukrainians have slaughtered nobody. Correct. So the OSCE was wrong? I'm stating that it was created and caused by the Russian Federation-backed illegal occupation of the Donbass in an attempt to reestablish control over the sovereignty of the Donbass, which belongs to Ukraine. But Sarah, everything I was just talking about was before the the so-called occupation of the uh, illegal occupation of the Donbass. I was talking about the the you know genocidal killings of the people in the Donbass from 2014 to 2022 which the OSCE the Donbass became occupied in 2014 that's complete bogus that's complete bullshit no it's not what, what how <laughs> if if the Don if the Donbass wait, 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 Sarah. if the Donbass became occupied mm-hmm. in 2014 then why are you saying that the why were you saying just a few minutes ago that the illegal occupation began when Russia invaded on February 24th? I said the full scale invasion. So what's your proof that Russia was occupying the Donbass? I'll give it to you that the Russians were at certain points in small scale uh, supporting the Donbass uh, fighters. They were, you know, giving them artillery and whatnot in a small capacity, but it was no occupation. The DPR and LPR in the sense that it even exists because the DPR and LPR are illegal entities that don't have any factual standing in law were fully backed formations of the Russian Federation, which included Russian paramilitary on the ground with the DPR and LPR that led directly to the deaths of 15,000 innocent Ukrainians at the hands of the Russian Federation. So... So, wait, so you're saying that the 15,000 deaths are responsible there? It's Russia that did that? I've said that four times now. So you ca- so you, do, you don't like the OSCE? You counter what they say? I'm stating that any, uh, any responsibility for the deaths in the Donbass from 2014 to today was due to the Russian-backed occupation okay, I'm gl- illegally okay. of the Donbass by rebels. Okay, I'm glad we're clear here because uh, that would make no sense if, you know, you have innocent children in uh, kindergarten class that are in, in, you know, innocent women in hospitals in, in the Donbass that are getting blown up by Ukrainian artillery supplies 
it makes no sense that you know somehow the Donbass militia militiamen were killing them when we can confirm, and the OSCE has confirmed that it was Ukrainian artillery that was heavy artillery that was being launched in there and killing these civilians. So I'm glad to the see, fact that the, no 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 the, no, the no, fact no, no. that this illegal occupation utilized human shields. Shut the fuck up. Oh, Jackson, I'm Jackson, relax, guys, 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 guys. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. The fact that I'm glad, the, I'm glad, the fact that, that I'm glad, that, I'm glad that, we, I'm that, glad that, I'm glad that we can come around to the point that Sarah does not support the findings of the OSCE. I'm glad we can come around to that point. The fact that it uses human shields to engage in their terrorism is something that has to be addressed in the future in a war crimes tribunal. The fact that the DPR and LPR, in whatever form they exist, engage in false flags. The idea that any any deaths that took place in the Donbass are not the responsibility of Russia is a flaw in the findings. And in fact, when the full truth comes out at how, these how war crimes... How can you ever make that argument when literally each and every day the Ukrainians are shelling Donetsk in the Donbass? Like, how could you ever make that argument? Again, it's to it, it would end tomorrow if the Russian Federation and their illegal militias, including those behind the LPR and DPR, put down their arms and return to the 1991 borders. President okay, Zelensky. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. So we're admitting we're admitting now that the Ukrainians are shelling the Donbass. I'm stating that there would be no more fighting in the Donbass period or the ability to use civilians as human shields the way the Russian Federation does if they if left all parts of Ukraine. So so the Russians were never in Ukraine. They, they were not occupying Ukraine from 2014 to 2022. And the negotiations of the Minsk Accords show that to be the fact. I mean, it, it bears out that they were not occupying it if the Minsk Accords were being negotiated. So... Why you just it? backed off on you just backed off on your own statement that Russia did take part in the occupation through weapons and other I, means. No, I, I that occupation. You, you said that it was on the no, recording. Yeah, it's on recording, but you're being a fucking retard. I literally just said that they weren't occupying it, but in a small capacity at some points throughout the eight years of fighting, uh, they did provide them with some weapons. That's that's not an occupation. If that's an occupation, then the the United States is uh, the United States is occupying Ukraine. Is the United States occupying Ukraine because we send them weapons? We don't have U.S. troops on the ground here. The Russians have U.S. Uh, have have troops on the ground in the Donbass and have since 2014. Um, okay, well, the United Kingdom has troops on the ground there, and so are, are they. Are they the United Kingdom does not have troops on the ground in Ukraine. There are no foreign military on the ground in Ukraine, except at the embassies, and the embassies that's, are sovereign territory. Well, that's not true. All right. Uh, next question we have for you guys, Jackson, I'll start with you. We started with Sarah on the last one. Um, has the length of the war damaged Russia's reputation as a powerful army? Uh, sorry, can you read the, repeat the question? Sure. Has the length of the war, we're going on, it seems around 10 months now, has the length of the war damaged Russia's reputation at all? Uh, yeah, I'll answer the question, but here you have it. Leading British Army general has admitted that the British Royal Marine troops have been deployed on discrete operations inside Ukraine throughout the uh, aggression of Russia. That's coming here from your favorite Western media sources. So 
do we do we say that that's not true? I mean, like you've count. Okay, so now you counter the OSCE and you counter uh, what's going on, what what Reuters is admitting. Also, we all know that there's British SAS troops that have been training Ukrainians in uh, in, in in and around the Kiev Oblast region. So, but I'll, I'll give it to you. Whatever, they're not actually fighting there allegedly. But we do know that they've been doing quote unquote discrete operations throughout Ukraine. So, is that not happening now, or? Are we living in reality still? I don't view Reuters as a uh, fair and impartial news source. And without having that in front of me, I can't comment. But unless it's the general's uh, name attached to it, I would give it even less credence. And if it's a retired general, I'd give it even further uh, uh, pushback. And in fact, there's nobody fighting from a foreign military except for the Russians on this land. Uh, well, the 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 it's not just a general; it's the former head of the Marines, the Royal Navy Marines, and his name is McGowan. Uh, so, uh, you just said former. There you go. So, speculation is not something I deal in. Conspiracy is not something I deal in. I deal in fact when it comes to Ukraine's fight for liberation and liberty, so, and the attempt to push the Russians out of a sovereign nation. So, Lieutenant General Robert McGowan is lying. Well, we have Mike Flynn in the United States who lies all the time. So unless I knew more about this uh, retired uh, lieutenant general, I can't speak further about it. I know he's not on the ground here. Okay, well, the claim is 350 Marines and 45 commando group were deployed at short notice from the depths of dark uh, North Norwegian winter to evacuate the British embassy to Kiev in Poland. Then in April, they returned to the country to reestablish a diplomatic mission providing protection to critical personnel. In addition to that, they've been participating and deployed for discrete operations, uh, additionally, inside Ukraine. So it sounds like they're not just doing diplomatic missions when he says that there was other discrete operations that they're they're referring to here. But again, we're not living in reality, and this never happened. And, you know, the, the lieutenant general of the uh, Royal Marines is lying. So let's move on to the next question that you said. Uh, and Reuters is reporting this. They're lying, too. Uh, so the next question was, did Russia's standing decline throughout this uh, special the, military operation or yeah. something? The, yeah. Has the length of the war damaged Russia's reputation? No, Russia has become incredibly more based throughout the special military operation. They've gained support from, uh, you know, countless more Americans Two-thirds of the global population live in countries that are either neutral to Russia right now, surrounding the situation in Ukraine, or supportive of the situation in Ukraine. Uh, we just saw today that new stats came out from Quinnipiac University, which showed that at the start of the invasion, only 7% of Americans felt as though that uh, you know there was... Uh, too much support for Ukraine. Now there's 33% of Americans. There are more Americans who say that we're doing too much for Ukraine than too little for Ukraine. Uh, and Russia has been able to also, uh, you know, lift their economy from its knees. Uh, the Russian Central Bank has done an incredible job. Uh, their oil and gas trades are at an all-time high with China, Saudi Arabia, and of course with uh, India, because India is taking all the oil that Russia can no longer directly sell to U- to Europe and uh, is refining refining it into refined petroleum and selling it to Europe at a higher price. Uh, the BRICS block, which Russia is one of the leaders in, is expanding with many more important nations like Indonesia and Egypt and Argentina applying for membership. Uh, you have the SEO, which is also expanding. Turkey is interested in that. Uh, Turkey and Russia have just agreed upon a massive new 
gas hub plan and Turkey's announced that they have massive gas reserves that they just publicly announced they found. Um, the African, uh, you know, union shows that uh, the, all the African leaders in Africa, with the exception of about four or five, are pro-Russia and anti-Ukraine. They refused to meet with Zelensky and they all, you know, lined up to shake Sergei Lavrov's hand. Uh, same thing with the uh, Arab Union states. They all went to go meet Lavrov and none of them supports Ukraine. So globally, uh, Russia is, uh, you know, they've become much more based and everyone likes them more. Okay, uh, Sarah, s- same question. Uh, has has the length of the war damaged Russia's reputation? It's damaged significantly. And you first asked that question, I believe, regarding the military. Yeah. Any nation that has to turn to Iran and North Korea for armaments is one that's been shown to not just have a damaged military, but a nearly impotent, useless military that's only able to carry out terrorist acts and hide behind private military contractors because they're not able to advance their nation's causes, however wrong the causes are, uh, utilizing their own military-industrial complex. As for everything else, it has nothing to do with uh, your question, so I'll leave it at that. Russia relies on North Korea and Iran. Yes, it's damaged their reputation greatly. All right. Um, I think you guys spoke about this, but I want to get into more detail. Are either, and Sarah, I'll start with you. Um, it's 421. I'll give you till 423. Are either sides responsible for war crimes? The Russian Federation is responsible not only for war crimes. The Russian Federation is responsible for all acts of bloodshed that have taken place within the 1991 borders of Ukraine. Okay, I'll answer the question, but first, Sarah, I just sent you your favorite media outlet in the world, the Kiev Post, Ukraine's global voice, which claims that, quote, senior British general says Royal Marines deployed in covert ops in Ukraine. So you can read that for yourself. Uh, Jay Beecher wrote about that in the Kiev Post, your favorite news outlet. So um, just wanted to get the record clear in case you also disagree with the Kiev Post and think that the Kiev Post is lying about that. Uh, just like you said, the OSCE was lying about the stats surrounding shelling in the Donbass of innocent civilians from 2014 onward. But uh, the vast majority of war crime. OK, well, the question is, do you think that either country is responsible for war crimes? Yes, both both countries are responsible for war crimes. Uh, obviously, as we all know, the vast majority of war crimes have been committed by the Nazi terrorist regime in Ukraine acting at the behest of the United States. Um, you know, the, the war crimes I've seen from the Russians amount to filming POWs, which is a war crime. You're not supposed to film POWs. But the Ukrainians, I mean, we have countless examples shooting Russian POWs in the knees, watching them bleed out as they crawl for life. Uh, we see the, the innocent attacks on civilians. We see what's going on with the reprisals in towns that the, the Ukrainians have retaken, such as in Kharkov or such as in Bucha, where we saw, uh, you know, uh, well, there's certain things we're limited about talking about even on Twitter with Elon Musk in power. Uh, but, you know, you can look at the videos and see who was walking around and, you know, what uh, patches they were wearing on their military garb as they were firing at uh, maybe civilians, maybe not civilians. That's that's about as direct as I can be with, the you know what's going on with censorship. But, um, and then you see what's going on with the Zelensky thuggish regime, uh, 
introducing laws to ban the UOC, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, uh, introducing SBU actions to go and uh, start arresting people in these regions. We've all seen the innocent civilians war crimes that have been tied up to light posts and and uh, trees all throughout Ukraine, and they are tied up with like saran wrap, and then they are sprayed in the face with green antiseptic dye, which causes temporary blindness. So uh, these are just a few of the war crimes committed by the Ukrainians that are very well documented. And um, yeah, I hope that there's a Nuremberg 2.0 to uh, you know hold all these people accountable. I was talking with the deputy. Uh, first deputy representative to the United Nations of Russia, Dmitry Polyansky, about this. And he says, yes, we are working on creating a Nuremberg 2.0, uh, you know, essentially like a war crimes tribunal of what's going on. We're working with uh, many nations to participate in this, and it will be done. Sarah, your response uh, uh, to <laughs> specifically, if you could respond um, to some of the comments, uh, which obviously there's a lot of them, but the one that popped out to me was um, – the Ukrainian military shooting at civilians. Can you hear me? Uh, I've been yeah. pushed out of the space. Okay, great. Great, yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, the Ukrainian military has only shot at soldiers of the Russian Federation and those who have pretended or utilized the guise of being civilians to carry out their uh, war against the people of Ukraine. So I, I just want to be very, very clear here. International law does not permit uh, war criminality such as crimes against or crimes of aggression, uh, crimes against humanity or any other war crime. They, the, the, the international law does not permit war crimes in the face of even uh, if you view it as an illegal invasion. You, you cannot you cannot. I, I said war dressing crimes. as I said civilians, uh, soldiers dressed as civilians. I, I would like to ask, uh, throw one so, thing out there. I'm very interested. Since so you're wait, engaged wait, 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 with, you wait, wait, wait. no, hold on, hold on. Since you're engaged no, with Russian government officials, have you ever, no, have you ever signed up? Have you have you signed up for your foreign agent registration? Guys, there's there's 800 people in here. Come on, come on. Yeah, whatever. I, you know, it's it's whatever. So I'm going to talk now because I let you talk. So, Crypto, can you mute him? Didn't I have time for my response? And then you can you Jackson. just talked. You just talked. Jackson, you, just you talked. Jackson, can she just at least finish no, it, what she it, was saying? It just talked. You, and now you I'm picked talk when she was done just talking. Said something, and now I'm going to talk. Yeah, because well, you, you don't get to choose when she's done talking. She was not done. It was done talking. I wasn't done talking. I was answering the questions that was posed, posited to me in the follow-up. You Okay, whatever. Go ahead, Sarah. Good. I, my final question on that, because what jumped out to me about the war crimes and crimes is the crime Jackson Hinkle is engaged in as a foreign agent of the Russian Federation, which he just admitted to in his talks with the first deputy of the United Nations for Russia. And I was just wondering if he filed his foreign agent registration uh, act paperwork yet with the Department of Justice. I'm just throwing that out there. Oh, that's a very, very good point. So if someone from country A talks to someone in country B, then you're immediately an unregistered foreign agent. So does that mean that Joe Biden is a is an unregistered foreign agent and he's actually committing an impeachable offense because he's talking uh, both publicly and privately to Ukrainian officials? He's a member of the United States government. So unless you're an undercover FBI agent, 
That's why the unless you're a fed boy. That's why the hey hey I let you talk. That's why the allegation is all the more serious, Sarah, because if he's committing uh, illegal acts as president of the United States, let's uh, let's be very very uh, particular and precise about this. That we he should be someone should file articles of impeachment if that's illegal. I believe Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to file articles of impeachment if something happened with classified documents. Any party that committed crime should be held responsible. And not, unless you are a, under, you're, you're literally you're literally retarded if you think it's a crime to talk to people in another country. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard. I think it's a crime to lobby on behalf of am a foreign I, government. I, is, it, is it lobbying? Is it lobbying if I invite uh, another sovereign person onto my YouTube show and have a conversation with them about geopolitics? Is that lobbying now? It can absolutely be construed as such, unless you're an undercover FBI agent, which in the way you know, you, behave, you know what's you know I what's, sometimes wonder if you are. You know what's actually a criminal undertaking is the fact that you I believe you're an American citizen. Are you are you just an American citizen or do you have dual citizenship? I actually don't know. I'm an American citizen. So an American citizen has flown all the way to Ukraine to go fight with Nazi terrorist thugs and join the Ukrainian military. You are a soldier in the Ukrainian military, correct? I am 100% a soldier in the Ukrainian so, military. So, so are you are you a uh, registered foreign agent? I'm curious. Actually, we've looked into this, and as a member of the military, I don't have to register as a foreign agent. That's perfectly fine. But do you understand how insane it is for you to accuse me of being an unregistered foreign agent because I talked to the deputy permanent representative of the United Nations from Russia on my YouTube show when you are not a registered foreign agent, but you're literally serving in the military? You're not you're not a you're not a you're not a mercenary, right? You're a soldier in the Ukrainian military. Do you understand I'm a soldier that? in the Ukrainian military? Yeah. Do you understand and... how insane that is? Actually, there's a carve out in the Foreign Agent Registration Act that allows for members of the military of an allied nation during a war to not have to register as a foreign agent. But do you understand? Do you understand? I get there's the carve I understand out. The but rule you, of, I understand the rule of law is okay, what I understand. And, and where, where, okay, so where in uh, for, Registered Foreign Agents Act does it say that if you talk to someone from another country that you have to register as a foreign agent? I'm suggesting that you are a foreign agent for the so Russian Federation. So you're well, you, but the evidence you provided was that I, you said that I'm a registered foreign agent because I talked to Dmitry Polyansky. I'm suggesting that you are a foreign agent of the uh, Russian Federation, whether okay, you are so, or not. But you, you said whether it, you are or not you, is not you, for me to decide. You, well, I believe you, you are a foreign agent of the Russian Federation. Hundred percent, it is for you to decide because you just decided it. You said that Jackson just admitted. Uh, that he's an unregistered foreign agent and committing a crime because of the fact that he talked to Dmitry Polyansky on his show, which I get that apparently there's this carve-out that allows you to serve in the Ukrainian military as an American citizen. You're not a Ukrainian citizen. You don't have dual citizenship. But I think uh, the 800-plus people in here right now can all agree upon the fact that regardless of whether you support Russia or Ukraine or whatever, you, you have no dog in this fight— uh, serving in the military of a different country is much, 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 much more of an involved position in a given conflict than talking on a YouTube show to a uh, relatively lower level politician when it comes to decision making 
in said country. This is exactly what a member of the Russian paid influencer program would be saying. You wouldn't be speaking to Putin. You'd be putting out the messaging through a low level United Nations operative in an innocuous, lowly rated YouTube show. Well, uh, that's your opinion, I guess. My lowly rated YouTube show has many, many more followers and viewers than you will ever see in your entire life. But uh, And that's why know, I have a, a full Wikipedia page and tons and tons and tons of coverage from both before my time in Ukraine and after in national press, including well, Washington I, Post. I have, I, have seven, I have seven Wikipedia pages. Wikipedia dedicated seven Wikipedia pages to me. You don't have a Wikipedia entry. That's oh, yes, actually you. And actually, entry. Wikipedia gave me an award for being such an outstanding Wikipedia uh, page uh, recipient. Mm-hmm. What yeah. you should be getting an award for is having been able to be a foreign agent of the Russian Federation for this so, long so you're making, without you're being making, indicted. You're ma- yeah, that, that's quite the claim. But the evidence you provided is that I talked to a Russian politician. Meanwhile, you are a transgender american serving in the ukrainian military you see you see the insanity of the claim that you're making right now i mean it's just so this this debate i mean i wanted to continue oh, you retarded sure three times and you brought there, up there's been, there's, been, there's been there's been so many incredible moments throughout this debate first and foremost you know we have me pointing out the fact that you didn't know how the impeachment process works in the verkovna rada and that yanukovych uh, was actually ousted in an illegal coup. We have uh, Yanukovych ran that away. Yanukovych fled to have, the Russian out, We've pointed out the fact that you didn't know that there were Nazis in Ukraine and leading the Verkhovna Rada from 2014 to 2019. Uh, we've pointed out the fact that you uh, you didn't understand how the Minsk agreements worked. We've pointed out the fact that you don't agree with the OSCE. We've pointed out the fact you don't agree with the Kiev Post. Uh, this has been a very fruitful debate, actually. So let's move to the next question. What's the next question? All right. Next question. Um, Sarah, you're up first on this. And there's mm-hmm. two questions left, guys. Um, first one is, well, the one of two, Sarah, uh, it's 433. You got to 435. Should Ukraine join NATO? I don't believe Ukraine needs to join NATO. I don't believe Ukraine needs to join the European Union. I believe Ukraine can choose their own destiny because they're a sovereign nation and that they've shown without being a member of NATO that they were able to not only hold their own against the alleged second strongest military in the world, but they were able to do so utilizing weapons that were deemed obsolete by the United States. So whether Ukraine joins NATO or not is is really something that isn't in my purview right now. Ultimately, it's for a decision of the Ukrainian people and NATO as a whole to make after victory takes place, total victory and a return to the 1991 borders. All right. Can you, can you repeat the question? Yes. Should Ukraine join NATO if they can? I'll answer the question momentarily. But uh, Sarah, you said moments ago that you're not in violation of the uh, unregistered foreign agents act because, mm-hmm. because what, what was the reasoning you gave? Because if you are a member of the military of a allied nation during a time of war, the FARA registration does not apply. Uh, it just so happens that Ukraine doesn't technically by FARA uh, represent a U.S. ally because it's not in NATO. So the FARA exemption that's carved out that you suggest doesn't even exist for Ukraine. So do you know that you're in violation of the uh, Foreign uh, Agents Registration Act? I can say when I was on Capitol Hill, 
lobbying Congress on behalf of Ukraine, it was the last thing on my mind over any concerns of FARA because I'm not in violation of FARA. But you are. Nor did, but I'm not. But you are because Ukraine is not a U.S. ally officially. Uh, Ukraine is an ally officially receiving military support from the United States during a time of war. That does not make a country a, a, an official U.S. ally. Okay, so does that, make, mm-hmm. uh, does that make Saudi Arabia an official U.S. ally because we're sending them weapons to go slaughter Yemenis? Does that make, can I go serve in the Saudi Arabian uh, military without registering as a foreign agent? I can't speak for what you would do with the Saudi Arabian you military. You can't because you're in violation of FARA. Uh, again, I'm not. And I can state point blank, I'm not. What I am but, stating but is what? asking you, how much money have you received from the Russian ally. Federation in advertising dollars and what you've done on your show and through other means of propagating but Sarah, the but Sarah, interest of Russia? But Sarah, Sarah, the Ukraine, I will give you this. I will give you this. Ukraine is technically a strategic partner of the United States, but per the FARA Act, that does not qualify as an ally. So you actually are in violation of FARA. Did you know that? Then I look, I look forward to being indicted and going before a jury to discuss my service for the Ukrainian government. I look forward to that, too. But did, I'm asking you, did you know you, that you're in violation of FARA? But again, I'm not in violation of FARA. But Ukraine is not an ally. It's technically just a strategic partner. It's not in NATO. I think there could be a suggestion. But law does not, uh, you know, dance around in these gray areas. The law is quite clear. It's black and white. If you're an ally, you can serve without being a registered foreign agent. And Ukraine is not an ally. It's a strategic partner. So I just find it so funny. You accuse me of being an unregistered foreign agent 100%. because I talked to Dmitry Polyansky on my show but you're actually an unregistered foreign agent that's committing a crime each and every day that you continue to serve in the Ukrainian military, or as I should say, as you continue to LARP in the Ukrainian military as a soldier. Not just serve in the Ukrainian military, but lobby the United States government on behalf of the Ukrainians. So, so, so again, two crimes you, now. I, I would like to understand how much you get paid through the Russian paid influencer program in I'm order to carry never, out the you know, will you know of your Russian you know what's very interesting, Sarah? I have my views because I see the world uh, clear as day. I've never been paid by any foreign government or any conduit of a foreign government. In fact, I have appeared on, you know, I've appeared on Russian TV. I've appeared on Chinese TV. Uh, I've appeared on uh, not live, but, you know, I've had my clips played on other countries' TVs. And they, in some instances, like I went on CGTN for a debate about woke culture in the United States. And they said, Jackson, we want to pay you for, for your time on the show, for coming on and spending your time on the show and debating woke culture in the United States. And I said, I appreciate it, but I'm not going to take your money because I don't take money from sovereign governments. Unlike Sarah right now, you who I'm debating, who not only takes money from uh, these sovereign governments that are not allies of the United States, which is in direct violation of the Unregistered Foreign Agents Act, but also... Actually, what's really also in direct violation of the military. You serve in their military. 100% proudly. I've proudly Pro- given my proud, loyalty proudly to in the Ukrainian of FARA. Proudly in violation of FARA. I'm not in violation of FARA, yet you don't have to be paid to be in violation of FARA. So now we know that you aren't just propagating the Russian messaging 
in the United States, well, but you're doing it reason, on the other only reason why I brought up the payments is because you said that I'm a recipient of some like Russian. What I asked. You call it? You, you I said asked. The Russian, of the Russian, the Russian influencer program. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, you know, you've actually pissed me off. So, you know, when this debate started, I know nothing about you and whatever, but you've pissed me off so much. I'm actually going to, uh, you know, seek out how I can try to bring you down through the FARA uh, exemption that you claimed that you were not. Jackson uh, Hinckley is attempting to bring down Sarah Ashton Cirillo. Jackson. Yeah, because I'm glad you know, as an American, as an a red, you know, Sarah, my my ancestors, they sailed over on the Mayflower. They came here in 1620. My ancestors fought in the American Revolution. I actually care about this country, and I'm not going to go and take my body and and dispose of it for a Nazi terrorist regime like the Zelensky regime in violation of FARA while I'm doing it. So yes, I am going to try and you know lead to whatever prosecution might be responsible or, uh, you know, in place for you. And as you violate FARA each and every day. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Every day that I proudly serve both liberty and liberation. No, you're not. I can stand and look at the United United States flag and understand that I am fighting for the same values that your grandparents allegedly or your ancestors allegedly were around for. Yeah, I know. My, I'm my, my, my grandparents, my grandparents, my both my grandpas, they fought in World War II against Nazis. You represent the antithesis of my brave grandparents. You actually represent the Nazi thuggish force that still resides on this earth today. You are serving with uh, the ideological inheritors of Hitler and Stefan Bandera. By the way, actually, before we get to the next question, let's ask Sarah, what are your thoughts on Stefan Bandera? I think Bandera is a repugnant individual, and that's why the Ukrainians took away his Hero of Ukraine award. And while people can utilize a flag that came before Bandera, because the black and red flag predated Bandera, Bandera himself did some repugnant, horrific acts, and it's something that I can't stand behind. So do you also think that everyone is repugnant and do you also condemn everyone who are the ideological inheritors of Bandera today that you're serving in the military with as you carry out their ideological ambitions? Your notion of ideological inheritance well, is I mean, actually... They've got, got Stefan Bandera tattoos. They, wait, 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 Sarah. They've got Stefan Bandera tattoos. They wave his flag. They quite literally, I mean, I told you moments ago that... Uh, it was, I believe it was Andre Parabi, who was the leader of the Verkhovna Kup- Rada for five years, who said that uh, he believes that Bandera was one of the most important heroes of Ukraine, and he was the you leader of the... You quoting someone Wait, 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 yeah, I'm quoting No, hold on, you quoting someone who's not I'm almost done, I'm almost done, I'm almost done. And he was also the leader of the society to erect the Stefan Bandera monument. So do you condemn each and every person that also is carrying out the ideological... Uh, ambitions of Stefan Bandera because Stefan Bandera is not around anymore, but all his, you know, all his card carrying OUN members are. The notion that people are carrying out his ideology versus looking at his visage as being something for them to rally around are two entirely different notions. Furthermore, your obsession with quoting politicians who are no longer in office it's something that uh, I wonder about because we're here to debate the current uh, full-scale invasion versus you continuing to bring up um, a former politician who's no longer serving in any official or unofficial capacity in the Zelensky administration. Well, well first of all, I mean, you still have 
all of the Nazi thugs that are waging this war right now. And you have Zelensky calling them brave heroes and dedicating monuments and awards to them and, you know, risking even Western uh, troops to go and save his life. So I, I don't think that if we're being if we're being as uh, unbiased and balanced as possible here, I, I don't think it's really fair to state that uh, the ideologies of Zelensky, if he has one, are all that uh, all that dissimilar to the ideologies of those of those Nazis that I've listed that uh, led us to the situation we're now in. I mean, if it wasn't for the Verkhovna Rada of 2014 to 2019, we would not be in the situation we find ourselves. Well, you're so. bringing up you're bringing up government that's no longer there, and I can state what President Zelensky stands for. He stands for liberty. He stands, he stands for freedom. For liberty. He stands for peace. He stands for justice. Hold on. Jackson, you, let her finish. Think, Jackson, Sarah, let her finish. Sarah, Jackson, think, let her finish. Sarah, Jackson, let her finish. Jackson, let her finish. Sarah, do you ja- think Okay, that- everyone's now muted. Jackson, let her finish. There's 900 people in the room. You keep speaking. Sarah's trying to speak. Let her finish. Let her finish and you can talk. It's that simple, dude. We've been going at this for an hour. I have one more question. Let Sarah finish. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll get one in. Jeez. <laughs> Crypto lawyer, I can literally hear the estrogen, the soy ass fucking estrogen coming out of your mouth. That's so fine. Sarah, Sarah, my question. Jackson, you're muted again. You're going to ruin it for 900 people. Everyone, everyone is f- sh- sh- shooting up DMs, messages. You're interrupting. Sarah just wants to finish. We, we have let you talk the entire night. Let Sarah finish. And then I have one more question. That's it. If you continue to interrupt, I'll just meet you again. And this will be all done because of you. It's up to you. Sarah, go ahead and finish. Let let the record reflect this was all done because of me. Uh, You know, this is all done because of me, despite the fact that, you know, I've been interrupted countless times throughout this debate. And I've had to just, like, put my tail between my legs and let let the retards talk. Uh, This is all done because of me. So, Sarah, my question to you. Jackson, are you going to let her finish or not? There's other participants here, Jackson. There's other people here. You, you know, you... Just let her finish. Just that, that, that's all I'm asking. Let her finish. And then you can go on. I, I, I don't see what the problem is here. I mean, I am listening here. I'm trying to let you both speak. People are enjoying it. Just, just let Sarah finish and we can move on to the next. You can respond and then we can go to the next question. This is the dumbest debate I've ever participated in. So then leave, Jackson. Then leave. Then leave. I'm not going to leave because we have. Okay, so we we haven't. We have. Wait, wait, wait. We have a terrorist Ukrainian unregistered foreign agent, Sarah, who's in violation of FARA that's in this space right now. So let her speak. Let her talk then. then. I was going to. I was going to ask her a question. Okay, well, (laughs) let her finish her statement. Then you can ask a question. I mean, that's fine. I'll Thank let you. It finish. Sarah, Thank you, Jackson. Sarah, say whatever propaganda garbage you want to say about Perfect. Stefan Bandera. Sarah, Just are you there? Sarah, she's probably on the uh, everyone got muted button. Okay, well, hey. It's so, off now. Uh, Go ahead. I, I just want to say I keep on seeing Michael Dean supporting Jackson's uh, statements, and I, I almost wish Michael could speak because I can tell that he's, you know, just uh, in, in, in this enraptured fervor over Jackson's conspiracy theories. Uh, no, President Zelensky stands for freedom. He stands for peace. President Zelensky stands for sovereignty for the Ukrainian people that elected him with 73% of the vote. And ultimately, when the liberation of Ukraine takes place and a return to the 1991 borders, 
history is going to look back on President Zelensky and realize that no one stood for democracy in the way he has during the modern era. I'm finished. Thanks, Sarah. Go ahead, Jackson. Uh, Zelensky stands for democracy. Zelensky stands for free. You know what Zelensky stands for? Zelensky stands for each and every day taking an American, a U.S. deep state, nine-inch cock right up his fucking ass. That's what Zelensky stands for. Zelensky stands for the violent repression of the Orthodox Church in his country. Zelensky stands for silencing dissident media in his country. Zelensky stands for serving as a prostitute of the U.S. deep state in a proxy world war against Russia. Zelensky stands for, uh, you know, silencing all dissident political parties. Zelensky stands for violent war criminal uh, reprisals against civilians in towns that they've retaken. Zelensky stands for all that is evil. Zelensky is waging a war against God and Christianity. And I'm going to make it my life pursue of, uh, you know, letting the record reflect in history. And I don't think that I even have to do this because if you look at the sentiment of the American populace and two thirds of the population across the world right now, who's either neutral to or supportive of the Russians in their special military operation. But I'm going to also make it part of my life's mission to reflect the fact that Zelensky is a Nazi terrorist thug. He's no better than, you know, the Al Qaeda or the ISIS of Europe. Uh, and and that that's as simple as that. I mean, how could you ever say anything but that? He stands for everything that is the antithesis of democracy, freedom, and justice. He is a criminal, and if it were up to me, uh, he'd be taken immediately to to the Hague, to the ICC, and he'd be tried for copious amounts of war crimes. I, I don't even think that we have a full lifetime to go through and, and charge and penalize Zelensky for all the various war crimes that he's committed. Uh, but again, then we have Sarah here, who is an unregistered foreign agent serving in the Ukrainian military, which is not an ally of the United States. Therefore, it's a you know violation of the FARA Act, who is out here protecting everything that, uh, you know, Zelensky says, because she's quite literally paid to do it illegally. All right. Um, last question I have, Jackson, I'll go to you first. Um, how is this war going to end? Oh, it's very simple. Very simple. This war, and I've said this since, you know, the war began. This war is going to end however Russia wants it to end. And I guess it's slightly dependent upon whether or not the West tries to negotiate a peace deal. But as of right now, I mean, you see Zelensky come out and he makes statements saying, I will not negotiate with Russia until they leave Crimea. I will not negotiate with Russia until they leave the 100,000 plus square kilometers of territory that they're quote unquote illegally occupying. I th- This is the new one that they came out with two weeks ago. I will not negotiate with Russia so long as Putin is in power. So uh, this is this is quite something. And, uh, you know, it depends, I guess, slightly on whether or not the West wants to negotiate, because we all know Zelensky doesn't control anything. It's whether or not the West wants to negotiate. Zelensky is just their prostitute. Uh, and, and Russia, you know, if they don't, if the West doesn't want to negotiate with Russia, then Russia will end this in whatever way they see best fit. I'd not be surprised if Ukraine becomes landlocked, if, uh, you know, Russia takes Novorossiya and if Poland moves in from the West, I would not be surprised about that, but we'll see, you know, war is unpredictable at the end of the day, the stated goal of the Russian military is denazification and demilitarization. 
that doesn't technically mean that they have to occupy Ukraine. But I think we all know the situation has changed since February 24th. What we do know is that Ukraine is act- actively being denazified uh, and it's act- actively being demilitarized with over 120,000 Ukrainian uh, military personnel that have been KIA since February 24th compared to the 15 to 20,000 Russian uh, military personnel that have been KIA since February 24th. All right, Sarah. Thanks. It's going to end with a return to the 1991 borders. It's going to return with all of those kidnapped by the Russian Federation from Ukraine return to Ukraine. It's going to end with Vladimir Putin out of power. It's going to end with Russia no longer being a threat not only to Ukraine, but to the world at large. And it's going to end with a clear understanding that so much of the propaganda and lies being spouted by Jackson and other uh, foreign agents of the Russian Federation being proven distrue, being proven fake. And ultimately, it's going to end with the greatest victory for freedom and liberty since World War II for the world. Why are you still calling? Are you done? Why are you still calling me a unregistered for, or a foreign agent of Russia when we've proven I'm not and we've proven that not only are you a foreign agent of Ukraine, but by far as own exemptions, you don't even meet the qualification of being exempt and you're an unregistered foreign agent. Also, are you willing to make a bet for a thousand dollars USD? You know, I, I don't want to take any of your Ukrainian, mil- your Ukrainian military soldier money that you're getting as you're an un- unregistered foreign agent violating FARA. Uh, bet for a thousand USD that Putin um, or one of his, uh, you know, one of his associates like Medvedev or something like that, Shoigu, will remain in power. The infrastructure of Putin's control will remain in power by the time this war is done. I don't even know who's alive in Russia, because as President Zelensky stated himself, is, is Putin even alive? Is Medvedev even uh, uh, conscious of what's really going on? I okay. can't take your True. money. Based off of these people that uh, are not going to have any role true in no no you're right you're right and i don't want to make a bet either about that because you know every other week i see how putin is dying of cancer or dying of some crazy disease he's died he's already almost died of like a thousand different diseases so i don't want to make a bet about that either but why don't we make a bet about a uh, thousand usd that russia will be occupying ukraine uh, significant portions of Ukraine by the end of this war, because you said that the the lines will end with Ukraine going back to their 1991 borders. So I will make the bet that by the end of this, Russia will control all of Crimea and Russia will control sizable amounts of Ukraine uh, by the end of the war. And so, why, if you're so if you're so sincere about that, why, let's make a bet right now: a thousand dollars cash that Russia will control Crimea and sizable amounts of Ukraine by the end of the war. Because unlike Russian propagandists, I don't bet on the blood of civilians. I don't bet on the blood of innocents. And I don't bet and make money and profit off of warfare. You literally do. You're a soldier in the Ukrainian military who's violating FARA. You, that, that is the verbatim of making money off of warfare. Again, serving in the military and taking bets on the backs of innocent civilians and bloodshed are two entirely different undertakings. I'm making a bet about how this war will end, and you're 
you're Slava Ukraining it up in Ukraine while you're LARPing as a soldier. And you, may, you you may actually be killing civilians. I have no idea what you're doing over there, but we know that OSCE has said that Ukraine is killing civilians. So while you're saying that I'm making a bet on the backs of innocent civilians, you're out there actually fucking killing them on behalf of a foreign government that you're illegally uh, serving in. I'm very much legally serving for the Ukrainian. No, we, are, uh, we already, we already confirmed that you're in violation of FARA. Because Ukraine is not an ally of the U.S. All right. Are, are we ready for some closing statements? All right. Sounds like we are. Uh, Jackson, you can go first. It's 455. Uh, go till 457, 458. Uh, go ahead and make your closing statement, and then Sarah will go. Well, I feel like everything that's uh, relative and needed to be said has been said. The Russians and um, – you know, the Russians and the Wagner group are doing what needs to be done in Ukraine right now. And it's unfortunate that it came to this because, again, the Russians tried to negotiate the Minsk one agreements. They tried to negotiate the Minsk two agreements. And as we recently saw, and as Sarah has not denied, the German authorities that were intricately involved in these agreements and negotiations has come out. Merkel came out, amongst other former German officials, have come out and said that when they were negotiating these quote-unquote peace agreements, they weren't actually trying to establish peace. They were just trying to buy Ukraine more time for the eventual war that they were planning and orchestrating against the Russians in this proxy world war. Uh, so this is this is what's happening right now. It's not a war for Ukraine's independence. If this was a war for Ukraine's independence, then back when this all started on February 24th, uh, Ukraine should have you know tried to establish a peace deal. They shouldn't have tried to become NATO's prostitute and wage a war that they knew they were going to lose. They are losing the war over 100,000 square kilometers of Ukrainian territory seas. Uh, Ukraine has lost about 100,000 to 115,000 more troops than the Russians have. Uh, this is not going well for them. It's not going to get any better for them. Solidar was lost. Uh, Kalashivka was lost. Zaporozhia settlements to the north are being lost. Bakhmut will be lost very soon. Uh, and, and I still haven't heard whether or not, um, because, you know, Sarah said that I was trying to make money off the backs of the bloodshed of innocent civilians. I, and, and I said, well, you know, Sarah, you're the one who's out there serving in the Ukrainian Nazi military. So I still haven't heard Sarah deny the fact that she has killed civilians or been responsible for civilian deaths as it serves in the the military of the Nazi thugs in Ukraine. So, Sarah, do you want to comment on that? Because I just like to get the record clear. Have you killed anyone? Have you killed any civilians or anything like that? Because uh, you know you're making quite the accusation of me while you're an unregistered foreign agent. Is that the end of his statement, Crypto? Uh, yeah, I think he ended with a question to you. So uh, you'll have two minutes to respond and to make a closing statement. Go ahead. Why? Because we're fighting against an enemy. You mentioned the Wagner Group. You mentioned the Russian Federation soldiers. And unlike the terrorists of the Russian Federation and their private military contractors, we don't engage in wanton bloodshed and terrorism against the civilian population. Furthermore, when we look at peace, President Zelensky and the Ukrainian government has strived for peace since the elections of 2019. Sorry, 2017. And, no, sorry, 2019. And ultimately, going forward, we're going to get that peace, just not in a way anyone expected. We're going to get a peace that's going to return the 1991 borders, 
to Ukraine in a fully sovereign way. We're going to get back all of these uh, civilians who were kidnapped by the Russian Federation. We're going to bring energy independence. Every point of the 10-point plan of President Zelensky is going to be carried out. Furthermore, after the full-scale invasion took place, Ukraine sat down for negotiations with the Russian Federation in Belarus in an attempt to stop the bloodshed uh, in an early part of the uh, full-scale invasion, and the Russian Federation declined to engage in any substantive manner. So ultimately, we're having to take weapons, and we will use these weapons to return the borders to the 1991 uh, liberated uh, Ukraine. All right, thanks. Uh, Jackson, since you went first, uh, do you have any rebuttal? Oh, I mean... Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's just crazy. It's like, how, how, do, how could you possibly think that Ukraine is going to get back their 1991 borders when the Crimean people voted 86% to join the Russian Federation? We saw that the people of Lugansk, Donetsk, Zaporozhye, um, and, and Kherson voted overwhelmingly to become part of the Russian Federation. It's just so silly. And I would say it's silly. I would say it's silly, but it's really not silly because it's actually the mentality of a brain dead, porn addicted, transgender soldier in the Ukrainian military who's hell bent on terrorism against the Russians is deeply Russophobic and wants nothing more than to see the collapse of Russian civilization. And it's very sad because many people are going to die as a result of the mentality, the broken, retarded mentality that has been exhibited, uh, you know, is on full display throughout the course of this debate. And uh, for, you know, for the sake of humanity, I hope this doesn't escalate to world war, to a hot world war. But uh, given the fact that there are people in the halls of D.C., in the halls of Langley, in the halls of the State Department, in the halls of City of London, uh, within the military industrial complex as well that are, uh, you know, have the mentality and the ideology that is not too far different from that.